0: This is a man who, at his very core, has made no secret of his disdain, his hatred for Palestinians. He's made no secret of his disdain for Palestinian life. And I only see that he's just going to continue, continue the settlement activity, continue the land theft, uh, continue the home demolitions. Welcome to This is Palestine. I'm Diana Boucher. Today, I will be in conversation with our producer, Khader Jabbar, who's filling in for Omar Baddar. We will discuss Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu's attempt to woo Palestinian voters in the upcoming March 23rd election. In the past two years, Israel has held three elections. And in each election, the joint list consisting of four Palestinian-led political parties, have managed to come in third place, garnering in the last election 15 out of 120 seats in the Knesset. The joint list was formed in 2015, when the four Palestinian-led political parties joined forces into one common party. Under Israeli electorate rules, parties must pass a certain threshold in order to hold seats in the Knesset. In 2015, Avigdor Lieberman, a settler and former foreign minister and defense minister, pushed for increasing that threshold to 3.25%. In other words, in order for individuals to be able to have seats in the Knesset, they needed to be able to show that they got a minimum of 3.25% of the vote. He did this in in part because he sought to defeat the Palestinian parties in the Knesset. And yet in order to ensure their survival, the four parties ended up joining forces into one and with it came a jump in the number of seats that these parties held in the Knesset. But since its formation in 2014, Netanyahu has attempted to try to take it apart, and this time he may just be successful. So thank you, Khadr, so much for doing this. It's nice to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Deanna. Yeah, it's great to to, to be on here. And uh, I, I think we're all waiting for Omar to come back, and um, I'm happy to be on and talk about the Israeli elections.
0: Is this your first time on a podcast, Khadr?
1: Yes, this is my first time on a podcast.
0: Well, uh, welcome. <laughs>
1: listener first time user
0: <laughs> oh welcome welcome to this is palestine your, your world will never be the same
1: <laughs> i'm excited i'm ready are you ready
0: i am i am indeed
1: so i think in this episode we're talking about the israeli elections which seem like they've been going on for forever and i thought for our listeners it's probably helpful if you can just give a little background of why there's been so many israeli elections i think there's been four in the last two years is that correct
0: that's correct yes Why? Um, That's a really good question. So there's a technical answer. And then there's a little bit of a longer answer. The technical answer is that um, in order for any piece of legislation to pass through the parliament, there needs to be more than 61 people who vote in favor of any piece of legislation, because there's 120 seats in the parliament. So you need a, a majority, meaning more than more than 61. And the technical part of this is that for all of these years, Netanyahu has been unable to actually form a coalition that consists of 61 plus people. There's been always an attempt to try to form this coalition, but, um, but he hasn't been able to do so. And so usually the government has fallen because they've been unable to pass a budget. That's sort of the technical answer. The The more robust answer is the fact that people just don't want to see Netanyahu governing any longer, and this is why you're seeing that he is unable to form coalitions of 61 plus um, there are a lot of political parties on the right wing, by the way, um, mm. that want to see him gone. The reason I say on the right wing is because there simply aren't any left-wing parties. And so for the co- over the course of the past two years, what we've been seeing is that um, all of these various parties have come together and have blocked legislation that Netanyahu has been trying to pass. And as a result, it leads to the government falling and leads to new elections. So we've seen this now, um, the, you're right, this is the fourth time, 4.0, over the course of uh, two years.
1: Is there a main opposition in Netanyahu, a main running candidate that is uh, the other parties in the Israeli government are forming around or is it, is it pretty split on, on who voters are trying to decide still for?
0: It's, you know, this is, this is, Khadr, this is a, a very right-wing country. In, in fact, I don't, I can't liken it to anything, to any other country around the world where even the left-wing is considered to be right-wing in this country. And so nobody's really coalescing around one particular candidate. It's it's mostly that Netanyahu cuts ends up cutting deals with some of these smaller parties and Um, in cutting these deals with the smaller parties, they end up becoming part of that coalition or they become part of the opposition. Now, the only real opposition that has been standing in the way of uh, of Netanyahu over the course of the past few years has been the joint list. And the joint list, as you know, consists of four political parties that have come together, all of them anti-Zionist political parties that have come together, um, they, they, I, I call them anti zionist because they aren't just Arab led in some of them. There are um, Jewish Israelis who are in the parties themselves. And it's been this one block that has really served as the thorn in Netanyahu's side. When you look at the last, the last government that was formed, excuse me, the last elections that we, that we had, out of 120 seats, the Joint List managed to get 15, making it the third largest party. So that just shows you how small the parties are um, in the the Knesset because they're they're so numerous. And so the Joint List has been uh, a thorn in Netanyahu's side now for quite a number of years. And uh, this is why he's now turned his sights on the Joint List as a way of trying to break it up.
1: That's interesting that you say that and isn't Netanyahu also going off the joint list he's also trying to court Palestinian votes is that correct where in the last uh, election he was running on a platform that is obviously attacking Palestinians but now he's actually trying to court Palestinian votes
0: yes yes so the, if if you think back to the way that Netanyahu has behaved the joint list was formed in 2015 and uh, when the joint list was formed, it led to a boost in the number of Palestinians who are citizens of Israel voting in the Israeli Knesset. There was actually a big, uh, there was a big boost because people saw that the four political parties were united, and they actually saw that they would be able to obtain more votes. And if you recall back in 2015, when it was first vo- when it was first formed, that was when Netanyahu came out with that now very famous lines. Of the Arabs are going out and voting in droves, and this um, ended up leading to a lot of leaders around the world um, rebuking uh, Netanyahu, including at the time President Obama, who, who denounced um, those words. You know this idea of them voting in droves. So his initial impulse in 2015 was to um, was to try to was to express ex- his disdain for Arab voters. And then since that time, he's tried a number of different tactics to try to lower the number of of Palestinian voters or to lower the number of Mm -hmm. people who are going to vote for the joint list. So one thing that he did was he started a campaign a couple of elections ago in which he, um, he and other members of Likud Said to Arab voters, like, look, what what have these people done for you anyway? And that led to a whole campaign of of uh, people trying to say that the joint list had done nothing for the Arab community. At other times, um, he's also tried to. There've been other parties who've tried to get other um, votes, Arab votes, by by saying that they were going to put them high up on the list. As potential members of Knesset, Uh, we saw this, for example, within Meretz. When when, and it was one of the attempts that Meretz had to try to lure in more Arab votes. But most recently, what Netanyahu has done is, um, oh, and then another tactic. I'm sorry, another tactic that he did was in one of the the elections during the first election that was held two years ago. They actually placed cameras in polling stations in Palestinian um, cities and towns alleging that they wanted to be monitoring whether there was any uh, voter fraud so you know so his tactic has been on the one hand disdain on this Mm -hmm. on the other hand of monitoring Palestinians who are voting then a campaign of what have they done for you lately um, to other parties trying to lure their votes And now what what Netanyahu is doing is he's taking a two-pronged approach. On the one hand, he's trying to break up the joint list and he may actually be quite successful at that. I'll talk about that in a second. But on the other hand, what he's also trying to do is he's trying to grab some of those votes for himself. And in grabbing some of those votes for himself, lately what he's been trying to do is to appeal to Palestinian voters, by saying to them that he's the powerful person, he's the person who can bring um, law and order into Palestinian towns. Remember, these are cities and towns that have been uh, suffering from years of, of, um, of, of state violence. And he's now promising that he's going to bring into, to play law and order in these cities and towns. He is also claiming that he's able to bring more jobs to to Palestinians. And so he's trying to lure voters to actually vote for him. And the other thing that he's doing is he's trying to, as I mentioned, break up the joint list. And he's doing this by looking for one or more members of Knesset that he can peel away from the joint list in order to bring down the number of seats, the number of overall seats that Palestinians are going to have in the Knesset. And so it's looking as though he may uh, be pulling away the the Islamic movement um, and in particular, the head of the Islamic movement, Mansour Abbas, as Mm -hmm. so as to make sure that the Islamic movement is no longer part of the joint list, thereby bringing down the number of Votes that the joint list will overall obtain, and they're by bringing down the number of seats that they will end up having in the Knesset.
1: Does that seem like a real possibility that Netanyahu taking that route could happen? And what and what would be the consequences of, of the joint list breaking up like that?
0: Absolutely, it's it's looking very very likely. Um, as we are recording now, the the final list has not been submitted. It will be submitted. Uh, in on February third, that's the date in which all of the political parties have to announce whether they have, whether they have joined forces with other political parties or are going it alone, and that's the day that they announce their candidate list. Um, and uh, but it is very much looking as though the joint list, instead of being comprised of four political parties, is now only going to be comprised of three political parties. With the Islamic movement running on its own. Now, the consequences of that are, are pretty grave. Um, the, in order to be able to get seats in the Knesset, you have to pass a certain threshold, which is 3.25% of the overall voters. And that once you pass that 3.25% threshold, then you can, then you get the equivalent of four seats in the Knesset. So it, it doesn't go one, two, three, four, it's just either zero or four and then um, proportionally based, uh, based higher than that. Now what's happened is that one of the reasons that the joint list actually came together was because when there, was, when there were attempts to increase the, the threshold as it had been increased um, back in 2015, they realized that on their own the parties would probably not make that threshold, they would be extinct. They wouldn't be able to get uh, 3.25% each one on their own. And so they decided to unite together. What this means is that for the Islamic movement to be able to get represented this time around in the Knesset, they're gonna have to get 3.25% of the vote on their very own and they will likely do that, but it's not clear that the joint list is going to be able to get the same number of seats that they had together. So combining the two together, if you have the three political parties that are gonna make up the joint list and the Islamic movement combined, it doesn't look likely that they're going to get the 15 seats that they had in the previous election. And what that means is that you have an even lower opposition to Netanyahu being able to form a, a strong coalition. In other words, what I'm saying is that people often underestimate the power of Palestinian voters. But what many people are not realizing is that it's only been the joint list as a block that has been that has been at the forefront of stopping Netanyahu over the course of these past two years. It's only been the joint list. And now with the joint list um, falling apart into three parties and one party, Mm -hmm. it's not looking likely that they will be able to continue to form that block that is able to stop Netanyahu. In other words, I think we are going to see a return to Netanyahu. What it also means is that Netanyahu has already been saying that in his next cabinet, that he wants to have a Palestinian in his next cabinet. And, uh, and to be clear, um, you know, people have for a long time held this as an absolute red line. The reason that they've held it as a red line is that Palestinians don't wanna be part of a cabinet that is an occupying government. They don't wanna be the ones who are saying yes to dropping bombs on Gaza or being the ones who are saying yes to approving the theft of land in the West Bank or building of settlements in the West Bank or demolition of houses in the West Bank. Um, And so this has always been a red line. And yet now what we're seeing as a part of Netanyahu's attempt to try to disintegrate the joint list is to court uh, people like Mansour Abbas and dangle it in front of their eyes the carrot that they may just be a minister in the next government and uh, and therefore proceed that way.
1: So you mentioned that the strategy that Netanyahu is um, approaching with the joint list, breaking it up, essentially reducing its, its power and its opposition, if Netanyahu remains the prime minister in Israel, what can we expect with an, you know, another Nanyahu administration with now the only opposition, as you mentioned it, being greatly reduced in power? Uh, I mean, we've already seen under you know, the last four years with Trump, uh, the Israeli government under Nanyahu just doing everything it can to you know, get more Palestinian land, at, you know, annexation and all these other unprecedented moves that they were able to just flourish with under the Trump administration, and now with Trump gone, and with the Biden administration, we don't really know what the Biden administration will look like. But what it seems like, it will re- go back to what was perceived as normal pre-Trump. But now with this jointless opposition seeming that it will, you know, be reduced in power, what do what can Palestinians expect? Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And Palestinians um, citizens of Israel.
0: Netanyahu has made no secret of the fact that he that he has a, a great deal of disdain for Palestinians, and he's made no secret of the fact that he doesn't believe that we have any rights, or that we have any that uh, that um, that he has any reason to stop the land theft. And I don't think that. Uh, Even if he has a Palestinian in his cabinet, that that is at all going to change. I mean, this is a man who, at his very core, has made no secret of his disdain, his hatred for Palestinians. He's made no secret of his disdain for Palestinian life. And I only see that he's just going to continue, continue the settlement activity, continue the land theft, uh, continue the home demolitions. Um, continue the bombing of Gaza. And, uh, and, and another thing that he's going to continue is that a lot of people ignore the actions that he takes against Palestinian citizens of Israel. This is the same prime minister who pushed the Jewish nation state law, which I call the Jewish supremacy law, um, mm-hmm. which enshrines the idea that, that uh, this is the nation state of the Jewish people only, that Palestinians do not have rights. and even attempts to take away the Arabic language as an official language and enshrines the idea of um, the, the theft of, of Palestinian land for Jewish settlement. This is, he's not going to be changing anytime soon um, in fact, I only see that he's going to be that he's going to be laughing. He's now this way avoided a trial um, and on top of that, the, the, the laws that he has in place, the very discriminatory laws that he has in place, I think that he's only going to deepen them and pursue them even further. You know, one thing, Khatar, that That is often is that is not often mentioned is that there are um, as many homes inside 48, Palestinian homes inside 48, that are demolished as there are inside the West Bank. uh, Because Netanyahu oversaw the passage of a law that specifically targets Palestinian citizens of Israel and their the construction of their homes. And so this is not going to change overnight. In fact, the only thing that I see is that he's going to be made um, even bolder. He's going to be emboldened by this. And he's just going to continue to do whatever it is that he wants to do. I don't believe at all that the Biden administration is going to to put the brakes on him at any point in time in the in the near future. There, there are so many other issues that they're looking at right now.
1: If, if any other candidate from the other parties were to replace him, they're all still far right parties. And so not much else would change. And can you speak a little bit about the Palestinian citizens of Israel and when it comes to voting in these elections, what is the general sentiment about it? Like how, how do they f- feel about voting in these elections where you know, none of the candidates really have their best interests at heart?
0: Well, that's, that's a great question, Khadr. There's a number of reasons. You know, so unlike in, in elections around, in other places around the world, most people vote because they want their party to win. You're, you know, you vote if you're voting in the U.S. elections. You're voting because you want your party to win. If you're voting in Canada, you're voting because you want your your party to win. In in the elections over here, it's a little bit different. The elections here, we know that there's never going to be a victory. We know that there's never going to be a time or a place where um, where the political party reaches that magic sixty one out of 120 seat number. Instead, the reason that people vote is because they want to block and serve as a strong block to what's otherwise this tidal wave against us. Um, So being able to have as many representatives in the Knesset to be able to block the wave of racist legislation, um, to be able to Block insofar as is possible or slow down the rate of settlement activity, the settlement expansion, to block or slow down, if at all possible, or to serve at least as a conscience, um, the, the bombing of Gaza. And to and to, on the other hand, to try to ameliorate and improve the situation of Palestinian citizens of Israel whether it's by um, trying to improve the way that services are provided to our cities and towns or to push for uh, building permits so that people can actually live in their cities and towns or to push for uh, degrees to be rec- you know, if somebody studies in Jordan or elsewhere, to push for the state to actually recognize those degrees from outside so that people can be able to return here, live here, practice medicine or dentistry, or whatever it is that they've studied abroad. I mean, these are always the, the measures that people look to when they're, when they're voting in the Knesset. Now, some people say, um, there's no way I'm gonna vote for the Knesset because I'm simply legitimating the presence of, uh, of the Knesset. And it's a sentiment that I understand And at the same time, there is another group of people who say, but it is our duty to be able to try to make sure that we have the ability to live in our homeland and that we serve as a block against this this wave of super racist legislation. And without the members of Knesset standing there for us, Um, we don't have the ability to to block any of these things or to even slow it down or to be able to to render services. So it's mixed. And the problem now is that with with the joint list now splitting off into two with three parties and one party, we may just see not only a decline in the number of seats, but we may also see a decline in the number of people voting because, they, because people will say, well, what we really want is unity. And if we as Palestinians can't be united, then why should they be getting our vote? So it's a, it's a complicated, um, they're complicated reasons, but my fear now is that this is, going to, this is going to lead to not only a reduction in the number of seats, but also in a reduction in the number of people voting and there isn't an alternative that has been put out there. Um, By itself, boycott isn't itself an alternative program. There needs to be an alternative program to be able to provide and to be able to render services and that is simply not there yet.
1: I think it's important to make the distinction between Palestinian citizens of Israel who are allowed to vote in these Israeli elections, but Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and the refugee camps have no voice or power in, the, in these Israeli elections, but the, obviously these, the Israeli government impacts their everyday life. Deanna, thank you so much. This has been so fun and so informative. My last question for you is, is there a term limits at all for the prime minister of Israel?
0: No, I wish there were, but there there are not. Um, Netanyahu, as of uh, last year, oh sorry, twenty nineteen, is now the longest-serving prime minister in in uh, in Israeli history, and um, it looks as though he's you know he'll probably win this election as well.
1: Oh man, well, is there anything more hopeful that we can end on?
0: Yes. Um, I think so. (laughs) And I think that no matter what Netanyahu does, no matter how much he tries to um, eliminate or get rid of the Palestinian vote, no matter what he tries, we're still, you know, we're still a thorn in his side and we're still people that he needs to contend with. And for as long as there are Palestinians in Palestine, it remains, um, we, we remain the only reason that, that Israel can't, um, can't ignore us. And this is why for me, it's so important for, uh, for, for us to be heard and for our voices to be uplifted and for everybody to know that Israel just can't simply get away with it. Thank you for listening to This is Palestine, a podcast brought to you by the Institute for Middle East Understanding. The IMEU is a nonprofit focused on giving you access to untold stories, facts, and expert sources on all things Palestine. For more information, please visit our website at www.imeu.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the IMEU. Please don't forget to subscribe. I'm Deanna Butu. Thanks for listening.